two village idiots with a love-hate relationship. See, you got fat. So you still look like a 15-year-old girl, but not hot. Who can't stop arguing over Oklahoma sports. You know what, man? Why am I still talking to you? Come on, we were doing good there, man. It's the Just Okay Sports Podcast. Sooner Nation, Thunder Nation, we are back. This is the Just Okay Sports Podcast. I am one of your village idiots, Daryl. I am here with my brother, Jared, and we are going to be talking a lot of Oklahoma sports today because that's why this thing is just okay. It's because it's all Oklahoma sports and it's just okay both ways. So works all the way around. So please like, subscribe, follow, do all the things to help us out and continue to grow this thing and make it. Uh, whatever it is going to be. But all that said, Jared, how are you, sir? I am doing good. I'm actually getting packed because I have to go see you, uh, which sucks. Um, no, <laughs> it'll be good. But no, uh, no, I've just been like trying to get uh, like my laundry caught up, trying to get everything packed up and ready to go for the trip. So, um, yeah. And then, like, you know, our co-host, by the way, is like, I don't know, like 30 minutes from me, probably. But too busy to see me. Too busy to see me. Well, you know, in his defense, he is at Disney with his wife and kids. And I can tell you as having done that trip, um, yeah, nothing else in the world exists but that when you go to oh, Disney yeah. with with wife and kids. Uh, right. And when you're paying that much, uh, family does not matter outside of the wife and kids. No, nothing, nothing else matters when you're paying that kind of money to entertain your to entertain the family. Yeah, I still need to go get my uh my season pass. Or whatever. I still haven't even been to the parks. I freaking live here, and I've been to the parks. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, well, the thing is, it's like you really have to plan. Like everybody I talk to is like, you really got to plan to go when it's like not during a peak time. So like right now, even is a peak time because of fall break. Yep. Um, right. And then like even during the holidays, it gets really busy again. And then they're like, it's really like between like February until like spring break, so like mid March is like the best time is what everybody's told me to go. Um, Cause they're like, I will tell you the best. I will tell you the best right here, right now. Guaranteed go the Monday, it, Monday through Thursday after Thanksgiving. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. But the, I mean, the thing is, it's like, it does start to get it. Like people don't realize like it gets colder here than you would think. Like it doesn't get cold, cold, but it doesn't get like, like right now. Right. It's, it's uh, well, it's like in the seventies right now, but like, <laughs> well like when i woke up this morning it was like i feel like, was like i feel like this is like you trying to troll you know i mean it gets cold here i mean like guys the the high in december is like 75 <laughs> no okay no what i mean is uh like when you get into like november and december it'll start getting down to where it's like in the 50s and stuff um and it's like even really Ooh. when you think about it if it's like i mean i know that that's not freezing cold but it's like do you want to be walking outside in a park when it's like that temperature you know what i mean like you'd rather go when it's uh, to me i'd rather go when it's 60 or 70 degrees out but yeah anyway uh i the reason i throw that week after uh evan was the one who did all the research for when we went and uh that was the week and they were offering stupid deals because they are loaded the week of thanksgiving and then it dies out that very next week and then starting about the first week of december it takes off again with people um, filling the place up. And dude, I think the longest line that we waited in was us trying to get our kids signed up for Jedi school um, right. because you have to sign up the day of. That was the longest line. 
out of everything. And we were probably, I think we were like 25th uh, family in line. Nothing yeah, else had a line the entire time we were there. It was incredible. Yeah, it's it, it's pretty wild. I mean, like you can tell, like, you know, the longer I've lived here now, I mean, I'm coming up pretty close. It'll be, you know, like I'm almost what, like nine months, 10 months I've been here. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you get over crazy. that direction. You can start seeing when it's busier. Like you can start telling uh, when that area gets a little bit more con- congested. But uh, but yeah, no, Troy's having a good time. So I just love giving him a hard time. But uh, but yeah, no, everything's good here, man. It's been uh, it's like, like I said, starting to cool down, which is nice. Um, like I said, right now, it's it's one in the one. The, you know, it's one in the afternoon as we're recording this or whatever. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's like 75 degrees out. So, you know, yeah, tough, we're tough doing life. a lunch pod today because um it's been a week so my youngest son's birthday was sunday uh my wife's birthday is today and my daughter got her braces off today so tonight is going to be party time uh that my daughter can drink or eat whatever she wants for the first time in two years and of course the wife is going to have to have uh whatever she would like as well so uh, best for us to get this in at lunch. So let's dive in, shall we? We have a 6-0 and Sooners team. Like, by the way, can we just pause before we even get into it? We were a 6-7 and football team a year ago. Yep. We are at that mark halfway through the season right now as far as wins. We're one, we're one, win, one, one win away from beating our win total last year. Yes. Man, so, I mean, it feels it's, good. It's And it's like... I don't know. Like, I've seen some other try to fan bases. Even like now, it's like funny. We just beat Texas. And people are just like, well, y'all played a bunch of cupcakes most of the year. And it's like, really? Like, okay. I, I don't even think, like, at this point, it's like SMU is probably like, they're not a powerhouse team, right? Like, they're not going to be a top 10 team or something right. crazy. But it's like, they're still a solid team. Um, You know, it's like, I think some of the teams that we've actually played will end up at the end of the season. I don't think they're going to be juggernauts. They're going to look like juggernauts, but it's like, I think the, the resume is going to look better. Um, If you keep winning yeah. out, I think, I think it'll end up looking a lot better than it does right now. Sure. 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 Um, Yeah. I think SMU is, I think SMU is one of those teams that just about any team in college football that they play, if you came and played bad, it's not going to go well for you and you're going to lose to that team. Um, I still think Cincinnati has some talent there. Unfortunately, they just don't have a quarterback, uh, that can really get them over the hump, but their defense is going to keep them in most games. Um, Iowa state is starting to play better than we thought, uh, that yeah. they would be right. So, I mean, there's, I think they, I think they there's kind some of different that... things in there, but I don't disagree that we've had a very easy, easy schedule. You can't deny that. But you also no. can't take the Texas win away, and you can't take away that OU is covered in every single game and has blown these teams out of the water for the most part uh, through the season, and that's what you should do when you have a cupcake schedule, right? So yeah. uh, either way. They, they, they've done what uh, they can do. So That's right. That's all you can do. So this is our Central Florida preview as we get ready to play the Central Florida uh, Golden Knights, and so oh. we want to kind of – walk you through this and so what we're going to do is we're going to break this down and look at central florida's defense and we'll talk through a little bit of that and then we'll talk through some offense hit a little bit of that and then we'll get into the good guys for a little bit and what's been going on through the bye week right so um as far as defense yes can i just say something before we get into this yes for me personally for me personally this is number three on the games i want to win the most there's Texas, <laughs> there's Oklahoma State, and there's Central Florida. Because oh my God, 
the like living in Central Florida, the the fan base for UCF, I will give it to them. They're very rabid. They're very loyal. There's a ton of them. Um, yes. You know, they have a giant alumni base and all those things. Like, it's not like I don't like hate the university, but it's like there's so many of their fans that cling to the whole. Oh, we won a natty in 2017. It's like, no, you didn't. Oh no, 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 you, you didn't. didn't. I mean, whatever. Um, you know, it, it's just it's just one of those things where like it's such a uh I don't even know how to say it. it's like that that loud, really loud, obnoxious fan base that probably shouldn't be as loud and obnoxious as they are. Mm, yeah. Like like I, I will give credit to like oh I, this is going to sound terrible. I'd give credit to Texas. Like Texas is at least a blue blood program that's had a lot of success and continue. You know what I mean? Like they've mm-hmm. four national titles in their history. Whatever. Like there's a reason for some of their fan base to be as rabid as they are. And then you like go to UCF and it's like you have one national championship that you basically made up. You know yeah. they're, they're like it's like the they're the slightly more tolerable OSU fan base is what they are, is what they are. To be. <laughs> slightly more, but I don't even know. Sometimes slightly. it just depends. It, I live, people also have to understand, I don't want to dox myself, but I live fairly close to UCF. So that probably makes it a little bit worse. Cause like I have all the college kids and stuff that like, you know, are in this area and stuff, but geez, man, it's like, you just never stop hearing about it. So anyways, let's get into it, right. the defense. Yeah. Let's talk about the defense. So got to watch some tape this week on them, trying to prepare for it. And I would say this, uh, the first thing that stood out to me overall watching their defense is they do have more size and speed uh, than I would have just thought, right? Like just being a ignorant, being the typical ignorant, I don't track your your team. Hey, you're UCF, you're coming out of group of five. You're going to be undersized, undermatched athletically. So this isn't going to be a problem watching tape. That does not look that way. Um, Their D-line, I mean, that's one of the first things that I always look at is the trenches. And their defensive line has really good size. I would say specifically number two, um, as you're watching the game, good size and really good get-off for a guy his size um, Mm -hmm. in there. They have a defensive back, number 31, Adams. He is 6'3". And just as an example, in the Kansas State game, their running back for Kansas State, goes straight through the hole with nobody touching him, right? I mean, he's got an eight-yard head start. 31 comes off the far side, and I mean, has him caught like that. And I mean, was there. And he's 6'3", so he's not small. This is very Justin Harrington-esque, I would say. And his uh, his build's a little more slender, but he's long like that with that kind of athleticism. Um, and then even number 14, uh, Thornton, uh, one of their defensive backs, 6'1", had a great interception and press coverage against Kansas State. Um, just a very well-played uh, deal, and they will put him in press a lot, um, which is really interesting. So uh, those are kind of the the people I saw that kind of stood off the page to me, and I think you should be watching and looking for. Um, Jared, did you get a chance to watch them on tape? And if so, what did you see? I mean, I think that they're – it's easy to look at this team and look at the stats and think that they're just not a good defense. Um, and I just don't think that's the case. Um, I think that they have, I, I feel like the problem with them is I kind of had like the reminiscence of in, in the overall sense, uh, what was that your 2012? I think it was where like, OU was like the defense would give up big plays, but it's like, they just like 
90% of plays, they just shut everybody down. But then it's like a, randomly they'd give up a big play. Um, so there was a little bit of that with them. Um, you know, like I said, I think overall, I think they're a solid defense. I don't think this is a team that you're just going to go easily hang 60 points on them. Um, yeah. You know, so I, I, I do think people, if people are thinking, oh, this is going to be a blowout and they're not any good, I, I would say like they're better than what the record and all that shows. So, um, but like you said, yeah, I think their defensive line, I, I honestly think their defensive line is going to be, this will be a good test to see. You know, I think we're going to see a little bit of a new offensive line for OU as far as like the the rotation of who we're going to see playing where. Um, so I think that'll be it's going to be a decent test for them to see because it's like this is going to be a team that you have to play good. You have to you have to play a well like you have to play a well rounded, uh, solid game to be able to to get push and to create holes. And so I think that they're good enough for that. And then again, this is going to be a uh, like you said, they've got some really fast and lanky defensive uh, backs and safeties. Um, so this is going to be another one where it's going to this is going to be another test for Dylan Gabriel to see, you know, if he's not careful with the ball, is he going to throw it into coverage or, uh, you know, things like that. So I mean, it's it's going to be, um, I think OU should still be able to do what they want to do for the most part, but I, I think it's going to be a game that they're still going to have to bring a a high level to be able to really, really put up points. Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see, you know, watching the Kansas state game specifically, like I made a note here that every completion in the K state game for Kansas state was tight, right? Like the ball had to be in the right spot. The DBs were right there where they beat. Yes, but it's not, it's not just, Oh, that's that guy's open. You know what I mean? Those kind now, what I don't know is what, because the other thing that was interesting in the Kansas State game was there was two or three times that a deep ball was wide open and Howard just missed it. And I'm talking yeah. wide, wide open. So I don't know if, you know, Central Florida's concept was we think they that that Kansas State really wants to run the ball and they're not a deep threat. So they were kind of being more aggressive that way. Um, so that'll be interesting. I haven't got a, a time to watch enough games to see, but that would be my guess maybe. Um, but even so, if those deep balls are open, I think Dylan Gabriel hits them and goes. The other thing I would say is this. While the D-line holds up very well, what it seems to me, again, as Lincoln Riley would say about me, you know, to the untrained, you know, non-coach's eye. Unsophisticated, uh, too, by the way. And the unsophisticated of of college football, it seems as though their linebackers are their problem. The D-line yeah. is doing their bit, but the linebackers don't fit very well. Okay, so... When we are doing zones and things like that, we need this is where Tawi should have a great day if he's the starter, in that he should really be able to get them out of place and then hit his comeback lanes, right? Like he should be able to do some of those things. Um, some of those misdirections that they do, I think, are going to be there because that really seems to be their problem, right? Is the safeties are a little over aggressive. Again, the deep ball seems to be there. And the linebackers don't feel well. And that's why they're giving up a ton of run yardage to the last couple of teams they played. And so you would hope that OU will take advantage of that. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I agree. They just need to come out aggressive, staying on top of it, continuing to do what they do, and they should be fine. Now, moving to the offensive side for Central Florida, uh, they are a top five total offensive team, which is really interesting um, because, you know, I'm going down just through box scores and I'm like, really? But then somebody did put this up and I was like, there it is. And so I went back and did some research and they're right. They're top five in total offense, but they are in the thirties when it comes to scoring offense. 
right? Mm -hmm. So this team moves the ball like crazy. And remember, they're a top five offense in all of college football without their starting quarterback. They've been without him for three or four weeks of the season. So the fact that with a backup quarterback, they're still a top five total offense. This is a dangerous offense. Gus Malzahn knows what he's doing on that end, right? Um, and so guys to look for is Plumley, their quarterback. He is a hard runner. I would not call him a burner, but he is a guy that's very effective with his legs and he is not afraid of contact. And so he'll really hurt you there. Now, I will say this, with Plumley coming off an injury, if him running the ball were to get him injured again and their backup quarterback, McLean, comes in, the arm is not as good as Plumley. but I will tell you this, that guy's terrifying to watch run. The first time he kept the ball in the KSU game, I was like, whoa. He moves, he, he moves on another level than Emory Jones does. That's what you need to understand. He's got more shake. He's got just more pure athletic. Emory Jones, big guy, runs fast. This guy's a running back playing quarterback, right? So right, right. Uh, other guys to watch, number zero, Richardson. That dude is zero to 60 like that. He is elite. I guarantee you his 40 is going to be low four threes. Now his top end, not great, but there's that. Their weak spot, in my opinion, to watch on offense is the left tackle 71. Um, against K-State, there were several times guys got lower than him and just backtracked him right into the backfield, um, you know, so which is interesting for them to be so good. But there's so much window dressing in this offense. It's it's a fake to the jet sweep and then a fake to, you know, a zone read to the running back quarterback keeps. Right. And then the quarterback can throw it to this guy here or I mean, everything has got 17 options on it. And so being disciplined is very much the name of the game. So that's kind of what I saw. Jared, how about you as you kind of looked and, and watched all of what you saw? I mean, the the thing with them is, um, like you said, I guess, like, look at where Gus Malzahn's been and look at, like, the offensive output while he was there. You know what I mean? Like, he's he's mm -hmm. a very good offensive coach. Um, so you're going to have – he's going to test you. Um. And and I really want to see like the for OU I want to see I kind of want to circle and see um you know like Ethan Downs and some of those guys I think they're gonna have to get like you said because really either one of them either, whether it's Plumley or uh, McLean obviously way more McLean uh, they have enough move that you have to respect you have to you know keep cont contained you can't just you know yeah. uh, do whatever you want you have to keep contained so there's gonna be a lot of uh, a lot of stress on this defense on on areas like that but. Um, yeah, offensively, I think they've got some weapons. Like you said, they, they, that again, they, it, to go back to what I was saying earlier about like the, it's like they get down the field and then they just can't, they can't get it in for one reason or right. another, or, you know, they've had some really, uh, untimely turnovers I know and things like that. Um, so I, I think this is a really good team. Um, but you know, like I said, I, I also like, I, I know that I watched, <clears throat> um, most of the Kansas game too. Um, and it's like, it didn't really feel like they were nearly as potent against Kansas. And I feel like they should have been because Kansas defensively, I, you know, isn't, I think Kansas state is still better than Kansas when it comes to defense. Right. Um, right. so we'll see. I mean, I think there's going to be a lot to see. This will be one of those games. That's, uh, I mean, UCF is hungry to get their first win. They haven't won a game in the, uh, big no. 12 yet. They're zero and three. None, so, none of the new members have won a big 12 game yet. No, they have. Oh, uh, which one did? Uh, let me go look. BYU, didn't they? BYU and Houston have won. 
Oh, I guess. Yeah. Cause Houston won. That's right. On the hail yeah. Mary. Yeah. So, so but that was the um, first wins for the new members so far yeah, right through. now, right now, the bottom five of the big 12 is BYU, Houston, Baylor, UCF, Cincinnati. So, um, yeah, but anyway, I mean, I, I do think that this is going to be, um, you know, you're going to have to play solid, solid, uh, solid ball. Like I said, I do think that if we can, uh, really whoever's in there, it's like I said, you're going to play sound football, but I think they're gonna be able to get in the backfield. Like you said, I don't think the left side, um, like you said, the tat left tackle is not, not very good. I don't think, um, and, and it's really even when you, when I've, when I watched the Kansas game, there was even some plays where there was like the interior of that line was getting a little bit pushed. So, um, you know, we'll see. I, like I said, I think this is a game that you should, um, you should be able to to do what you want to do on defense. And I really want to see, but I still want to see them play aggressive. I still want to see, Oh, you do yeah. what they want to do uh, and just be aggressive, bring blitzes and disguise things and not be scared. So totally agree. And, and I think you make a great point. You know, um, I don't think the new members are um, unaware that they're kind of being clowned on as you guys all said you were ready for power five football and look at you, you're two and eight or whatever they are right now, you know, in, in big 12 play, they're aware of that. And let's also be real. Um, the two teams in this conference right now that will save a coach's job and that will create legacies for some of these schools that are brand new to the big 12 is beating OU with Texas, right? Yeah. Those are the two. Gus Malzahn wins this game and doesn't win another Big 12 game. They're going to go, We okay, we struggled. You're right, but we beat OU. Like, yeah. that's going to be the thing, right? And so that's the mentality. Well, the whole idea yeah. of, a, of a Super Bowl mentality is right here, right now. They are coming off a of bye week. They have had time to get healthy. They have had time to, to game plan even more, to add more to the, to the offensive and defensive playbooks. They're going to come for blood. You cannot screw around in this game. You've got to you've well, got to bring it and match that. I, I I even believe that they'll probably even use a little bit of Dylan being a former UCF uh, or Central Florida oh, guy. Sure. They're going to use all of that. I mean, it's it's going to be what it is. Like I said, they're going to do their best. Um, and like I said, OU is going to have the OU in Texas, especially. I know we say this every year, but it's like they're going to have the biggest. Even this year, they're going to be a bigger target on their backs. Big. Um, yeah. Everybody's gonna want to be the one that leaves that. leaves makes them leave with a black eye. I mean, that's what they're right. wanting. Yeah, uh, I mean, absolutely, no doubt. So now let's turn our attention to the Sooners. Obviously, had a bye week. I mean, and, and so did Central Florida. Both schools had bye weeks, but Sooners coming off of it, um, and we're in desperate need of it. Um, by the way, apparently, uh, BV uses his bye weeks to uh, just read up like crazy. Apparently, on all kinds of philosophical and classic writings. I mean, we've got. The Rudy's Coaches Show and his press conference, we have biblical quotes, art of war quotes, and Aristotle quotes from BV. So apparently uh, he's decided to really work on the mental makeup of himself during the bye week. Yeah, it was really interesting. I watched his press conference uh, and he, he referenced like he was like, you know, uh, they were talking about like how uh, Central Florida likes to mix and match and really disguise what they're doing. And like you said, a lot of fakes and motion and all that sort of stuff. Which, you know, um, I kind of think it's just college football or college football offenses anymore. Um, but yeah, like he's unless you're AM who just runs their plays and expects their players to execute. Well, it's okay. They got the QB whisperer. Anyways, um, we'll get to that later. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, it was really funny. He was like, yeah, he's like, it's like the art of war. And I was like, I remember like I heard it and I was like, what? Like, I mean, I know what he's saying, but you know what I mean? Like, it was just like, it was so, I don't know, not out of character, but it's just, I don't know. He's such a, no, such out a, of, I, okay. No, I, I, let's stay on this for like 30 seconds, just for a moment. It is out of character. We, we have known BV for a long time. We all remember him when he was here before. Now, granted, he was the co-defensive coordinator for most of that, so maybe he didn't press conference as much. This dude is not known for dropping philosophers and all this stuff. So here's a couple things. He either did some research and got the Art of War quote just out of doing some research about deception, right? Or here's my other thought. This is something, by the way, that happens to pastors a lot that, that most uh Common members probably don't know, but one of the games that gets played with pastors all the time is church members that become good friends with them say, okay, here's a stat, here's a quote, or here's a person, you've got to work it into the sermon. You've got to make this stat, this quote, this thing fit in the sermon. It feels this week like he's got some kind of bet going with Danny Stutzman of how many different like awkward philosophical classical quotes he can throw into his media time. Like before something goes down, that's what it feels like. Cause he is not known for doing this. Can we, can we just like, I, I just do want to talk about that too. Cause you kind of, you made a good point about Danny really him and Danny have obviously become close. Um, yes. And Danny's really become like, I mean, a massive leader, not just for the defense, but the team as a whole, um, yep. you know, even, even in some of the interviews I saw him do after Texas and stuff, he was like, he's like, yeah, Dylan and I talk all the time, but he's like, it's like, you know, we talk about, you know, um, you know, what we need to do as leaders and stuff like that. Like you can tell that those two guys are, you know, that's the quarterback of the offense, the quarterback of the defense. Um, yep. And uh, and it's like that's the guy that BV had to wait for him to come get a copy of the playbook. You know what I mean? It's just right. it's crazy, like it's crazy, like the effect that um has taken place. And you know what's you know what's really funny? I don't say that have you been listening to the uh the podcast on the prairie or any of those? I have I don't think I've if if they've released one this week, I don't think I listened to this week's, but yes, well, I have been listening to them. It's funny to me. And I, I want to get, I, well, I guess I can't really, if you haven't seen them, well, I, <laughs> I haven't watched this week's, but um, if they had one, but basically it's like, I felt like they've had a lot more tongue in cheeks, like kind of like, I wouldn't say shots, but they've like tongue in cheek said things about Lincoln Riley and his coaching uh, methods and philosophies and stuff. Um, you know, we were texting back and forth. And the last one, he was talking about how uh, Danny was like, yeah, like they ran this crossing route and like, you know, the first slant, you you like you never throw that. And then the second one's where yeah. they're going to throw it. Well, and it's because Jeremiah Hall, he was like, I couldn't believe that you jumped the route this way, Canik. Like, what were you doing? He goes, they never throw the first slant. Yeah. And like Sutton was like, yeah, they never throw the first slant. <laughs> and he's like, I don't know how y'all know that. Like, we know that as offensive guys, but uh, but, you know, yeah, it was he was like, you know, it's just funny. Like I said, it's the a totally different like um the culture and everything you can see coming out. But anyways, yeah. um yeah. yeah, I mean there's a there's a it, it's really I think it's really awesome. I do like BV's uh I hope BV's doing stuff like that. He does seem like he has good relationships with a lot of the guys in the locker room, just outside of Danny and um all that. Oh, like the way, the way no the doubt. way he talks about guys on both sides of the ball. Um, you can tell that he actually like it's not like he's just saying, Oh, like, you know, Dylan's really good student goes to class. 
You know what I mean? Like he yeah. like references very specific things where it's like you can tell that he has a meaningful relationship. True with all relationship. Guys. Yeah, I totally agree. It's uh, you know, relational, the... not tra- transactional. Transactional. That is correct. That is correct. So uh, the other thing that OU did get to do during the bye week is get healthy, right? Um, yeah. Which we, I don't, it wasn't really widely reported. And I don't think really any of us was super concerned, but look, we knew for one, we knew Danny Stutzman was dealing with some kind of nerve slash stinger issue. And even very early in the Texas game, you could see that right arm just hanging limp at the side of it and, and him, him trying and to Stoops. get feeling back. Yeah. Uh, Stoops was dealing with that. But then as guys started going down, like Gentry Williams, who we also knew has kind of been dealing with a stinger issue. Uh, Vickers was not suited up. Wagner was not suited up. Kanai Walker was not suited up. Um, which this week BV did say all those guys would be available, which is huge because look, and I don't, I'm not saying he did a bad job, but with the way this team is constructed, Key Lawrence should not be the guy filling in at corner, right? That guy is a safety who, you know, in an emergency, and we were down so thin at corner that that's who we had to put over there and let them play, which was just not great. So I think we got healthy there. It sounds like uh, Danny, according to his dad on local radio, is much healthier. Um, with his arm and with his shoulder than where it was. Heck, even just having a full week and a half to let Matower continue to to heal from his ankle that he banged up um, in the game, so forth, so on. And there's also been a lot of talk that um, Walter Rouse has been pretty banged up the last couple weeks. And so uh, I think that overall, two things of health, just physical health and also coming off that emotional win. To have a week to just kind of, let that go out, probably go through a little bit of a sluggish week and now get back in the rhythm, I think are all huge for OU going into this game against Central Florida. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you get picked a better week to have a bye week, right? Um, so, yeah, it's you, you're you going to have that that natural emotional high coming off the Texas win, um, as crazy of a game as that was. Yeah. And now it's like you gotta let that you gotta let that kind of go. And then now, like you said, this week, you know that BV and company are probably just hammering them back into uh you know, into into that that mentality, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, I, I I don't think I mean it's really good to see these guys are coming back. Like I said, we uh we saw Vickers a little bit in the Red River game, but like I said, I don't I think he was he no, was no, no, no. Was no, Vickers he did not there? suit up. Oh, okay. He did not suit I up. He, for the I red. thought he was on like the one week of the before. The week before, who did we even play the week before? I'm like forgetting. Uh, was it Iowa State that we played? I can't even remember. Uh, I think that's right. Yes. Um, they he came in early in that game and played quite a few reps in that game early, but then something happened between that one and the next one, and he I can't remember. I remember them saying in the pregame, he either didn't suit up or didn't even make the trip. I can't remember which one it was for, for Red River. So um, kind of crazy deal. But yeah, the health is huge. Um, the other thing that I'm interested to see with this bye week coming in is what is going to ultimately be the decision with the O-line, right? Yep. We know Matower is not going to play. That's done, Okay. But the guy that you, the guys that I think you still have there that you feel confident in right now are Caden Green and and Troy Everett, right? Those are the two guys that you feel can play. And then also the guy that came in to play was Caleb Schaefer, right? So, right. I 
I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what they decide to do. BV gave an interesting quote in his uh, his little coaches show thing that he does at Rudy's, and he simply said this. He goes, I think the guy right now that Bill is still trying to figure out is Schaefer. He goes, because he kind of pisses Bill off because every time he's gotten in a game, Bill goes, he's playing great. And then when he's in practice, he doesn't do any of that. So it appears as though Schaefer is very much one of those guys that's just a gamer kind of guy, which coaches don't like. They don't want to trust those guys, right? You don't want a guy that doesn't produce in the practice field to go out there. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what they do here. It's a, it's a dangerous precedent to set, right? Like, cause you want your guys to practice hard and to perform. So um, if, if you put in a guy like that, everybody's like, well, he does crap in practice. Then, you know, it's a, it's a dangerous culture thing to set. So. Right now here's, what's interesting to me. I think you and I have said this for several weeks now, Caden green is more talented than any center or guard we have played thus far this season. Period. Ceiling's much higher, right? Schaefer, I'm not sure. He had a very good resume coming in, right? Had done a lot of things for uh, Miami of Ohio, where he was at before. But here's one thing that just excites me overall, okay? We were playing a lot of Everett. And by the way, Savion Bird will be healthy fully too. So it'll be interesting to see if they try to give him some run, who I think is also got a, from a talent standpoint, a very high ceiling, right? I would say it probably goes Caden Green, Savion Bird, and then uh, Schaefer, and then the rest. You know, you know, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, you were asking something. No, I was just going to, I mean, no, no, go ahead and finish your thought, and then I'll ask you. I want to hear what you think well, my, first. My thought is this. With Everett and Matauer in at guards, here's what you had. Everett at 6'3", 294. Now, remember, Everett's natural position is center. So mm-hmm. at 294 at center is not horrendous, right? But at the guard, that's fairly undersized, right? And he's under-athleted. I mean, that's just the way it is. Matauer's got good size at 6'4", 316. But athletically, it's just, it is what it is. that We've said this at that Matower's going to give you every ounce of anything he's got every game. He's just limited in his abilities, right? When you switch, if they decide this week to go with Green and Schaefer, you are going to upgrade with Caden Green at 6'5", 316 over Everett at 294, and you're going to upgrade Matower at 6'4", 316 to Caleb Schaefer at 6'5", 344 pounds. Like, yeah. Size alone, the reach, the length, the all the things is going to go up huge. It will be very fascinating um, to see what they decide to do there and what it looks like. Well, so what I was going to say, too, is I think this is an important game to figure that out. Yes. I want to see some experimentation because when you look at the schedule coming up, Kansas is a team that. I know this is weird to say about Kansas, but Kansas is a team that can beat you if you don't play well. There, yes, hundred um, percent. Very good team. They were just ranked. I know that they just lost, but they're very much on that bubble of being a ranked team. And then you have Oklahoma State, who looks like they maybe have figured some stuff out. I don't know, but it's it's again. I I'm getting so sick and tired of everybody being like Oklahoma State's trash. Like <laughs> I don't think I don't think they're as good of a team as they've been in the past. I will give you that. Like they lost to, yes. to Southern Alabama and all those sorts of things, and they still have all these weird issues. But it's Bedlam. It's the same thing. We get to Bedlam, and it's the same thing as Red River rivalry because it's for them. It's everything, right? So you've got to yep. throw all the stats out the window and all that. 
those are your next two games is after UCF is Kansas and Oklahoma State, which when I look at our schedule right now is probably the two toughest remaining games. Um, yeah. So, you know, I mean, I know that you have, you're going to play at BYU, which is always going to be a weird, that's a weird environment to play in um, and stuff like that. But it's like I said, you have the two best games. So I, we need to figure that out. We need to start getting people where they're at least we know who's a primary yeah. and a secondary, right? Like, let's just figure yeah. out who's a primary. Cause right now it just feels like we're, throwing things out there and just hoping for the best. And we need to really start figuring out at every position, you should have a primary guy and a secondary guy. You can swap, swap them in in a series or whatever, but we got to start mm-hmm. really nailing down a formula instead of just, it feels like guessing. Yeah. Well, and again, I think for this week, give, give those, I I personally would give green Schaefer and bird all the run I could. Yeah. Right. All the run well, I could we, and see who wants to step up and who wants to take because their size alone changes the game for OU on the offensive line. Their athleticism alone, if they can figure it out and get comfortable and get confident, changes everything for this. And again, that's not a slight to try. I think whenever it takes over at center, that yeah. we are going to be amazed at the difference at center. That's what I personally, I believe that he will be a better center than Andrew Rain. I do, but I just don't think guard is where he can be at his best. Well, and like we said last week was uh, like when Green came in the game, it was a totally different look. Um, That defensive line or that, sorry, that offensive line looked totally different when Green came in. So I really want to see him. I want to see him play in a game that's like you watch a game like the Red River rivalry and it's like, okay, is that they're that good or is it that they're just that hyped on adrenaline because they're in that game, right? Or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I want to see him show up in a game like this. So we'll see. But yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you. I think they need to give those guys some room. Right. And then the other thing, obviously, the bye week really does for you and helps is, you know, you lose Andrell Anthony. And I think that it's clear to see that he was, he had kind of set himself up as the alpha of this wide receiver group, him and Farouk. Farouk's really come on strong the last couple of weeks, but still in yards and big plays, Andrell Anthony's right there. And so right. now you have this week to kind of work through your wide receiver rotation. And so I'm curious, Jared, so I have a two-part question, okay? okay? What do you want that fill to look like? What do you think? we will actually see when the coaches make their decision on how to fill the Andrew Anthony void. I mean, I think we're going to have to see, I mean, okay. So you want to know what I want to see and what I think we will see. Yeah. I I mean, I think what we will see is I think Nick Anderson is probably going to get a lot more run than he has been. Um, you know, I, I think him and Jaden Gibson, I think that's what you're going to see. I mean, um, those are the established. I mean, those are guys that we've already been clamoring to see more of. And it's yeah. like we've kind of had this weird scenario where it's like. Outside of and the, man, I hate to say this because I love Gavin Freeman, but it's like outside of Gavin Freeman, there's nobody that I've been saying, like, play less to get those guys on the field, like just clamoring for at least. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not like you have somebody up there that's just taking up space. Like they're yeah. the the wider server room is so good. And so now I think unfortunate for Anthony um being out, but some of those guys may get a little bit more run. But um 
you know, I feel like it's just going to be Nick Anderson. I mean, they put him in in a scenario. I don't think it's any fluke that they put him in in a scenario at the end of the Texas game for him to make that play, right? Um, yeah. So, you know, I think that says a lot. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I honestly, I, I mean, I really think that's their only option. You know, I mean, they have some other guys in this roster, but um, and I, I just think you're going to see a lot more rotation um, throughout, I'm hoping. I think that's this is, again, this is the game where you need to start seeing some of those guys that, um, you know, maybe we see some, uh, I'm trying to think of, you know, I wish I had the depth chart in front of me, but. Uh, you know, get some of those freshmen out there, get some of the transfer guys out there and just like get some guys out there and just try to get them to get some, some balls just thrown at them just to see how they handle it. Um, because again, you're going to need them the next couple of weeks, but yeah, I mean, I think you're going to, I think this is going to be a game where I could see them. I could see this being the game where Dylan Gabriel completes a pass to like 12 to 14 different receivers or something wild. You know what I mean? Cause they're just going to try to rotate everybody and give everybody a little bit of run. So then final question, and I'll give you my thoughts on all this. Who do you think is the noticeable step-up guy at the wide receiver group this week? Man, uh, let me think. Give me yours, and then I'll come back. You can come back to me. Okay, fair enough. Here's – I don't know what I want to see. I think I want to see just like you. I want to see a 50-50 split between Nick Anderson and Jaden Gibson at that position. That's what I want to see, right? What do I think we will see? Here's what I'm really scared of. I'm really scared we're going to see something like LV Bunkley Shelton or Gavin Freeman on the field more because they've proven more. What like Whatever their deal is that they do with these guys that they just feel steady about, right? Um and I just don't understand that because I think that Nick Anderson and, and Jaden Gibson have earned their way. Now, the other side of that is this. I am curious to see if we see a lot of Brennan Thompson. Is, yeah, is, the, is, the offense, is the offense set up in such a way that you need that Andrew Anthony speed guy on one side to really make the defense scared about the deep ball to really open it up or not? And I don't know. I feel like Nick Anderson has enough of that. But obviously, Brennan Thompson and Andrea Anthony are on another level when it comes to just pure speed, right? So mm-hmm. I think that will be interesting. Um, but I, I would like to see some combo of that. And look, after I, this has been said a lot. This is not my own thought. But after seeing Jacquez Petaway yet again on that reverse that got called back on the kickoff return, I want to see the ball in that guy's hands more. Like, he's yeah, yet another say- guy that just... Shows the ability to get yak. Like, let's get him the ball. So, so that's what I was just looking up. That's one thing I was trying to look up real quick. Because uh, we're just okay. I want you to guess how much. Who who do you think's played more, Gavin Freeman or Jack was Jack was Bedway? Gavin Freeman. Okay. How many receptions do you think Gavin Freeman has? Uh he has ten. Eleven. Okay. How many do you huh? think Jack was Pedway has? Six. Ten. Oh, really? Ten. So so here's the stats. Gavin Freeman, 11 receptions for 62 yards. Jack was Padaway, 10 for 61. So it's like, to me, and I'd love to see, obviously, we're just okay, so I don't have like a whole snap count total or whatever. But it's like, I want to know, like, it feels to me like we see Gavin Freeman out in the field a whole lot more than we see Padaway, and yet their stats are similar. 
You right. know, so it's like give him a little run because, like you said, I do think Petaway Petaway was my my guy coming into the season. Yeah. Like I told you, he was yeah. a breakout guy, and I really think he's shown that. Like you know, it's like he's really when you watch how he moves, he's like he's really feels like he's been in that the catches he has had. It's like, dude, he was like one shake shaking one guy away from just taking it to the house. He's just so yeah, so freaking quick. Um, so um, yeah, I would love to see Petaway, but yeah, I mean. Brennan Thompson's another good guy you bring up. So, yeah. And granted, he's been dealing with the hamstring most of the season. That's why. But like the one time we see him stretch the field, it literally looked like in three steps, it was done. Like it was just like, throw it now. Like he yeah. is wide open. So we'll see what happens there. One more thought is in this game, this is the game. If we are going to give another running back the option, and by the way, oh, to answer my question, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm leading in with my answer. My other question I asked you is who do I think is the guy that is the next man up kind of step up guy? How about this? We're not going to know because we run the ball so effectively. That's what I think now. Okay. That's a this big, is that's the a... game. This is the game that whoever really genuinely you believe has the ability to open this running game up needs to get their reps. Now, The interesting thing that happened this week, and you and I and Troy have been texting about this. We have no inside information. We are not insiders. We're not scoopers. But it was interesting. Caleb Hicks, I believe it was Monday of this week, puts out a tweet that just has a clock, dot, dot, dot. In other words, time. Now, I don't know what that means. As Troy said, does that mean it's time to leave? (laughs) Or does that mean my time has come? Here's my thing, man. If, if the rumors about Barnes's foot is still bothering him and he's just not 100%, if the rumors that, that Gavin Sawchuck's hamstring just is not full go and they've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting on those guys to get healthy, maybe this is the week that they finally unleash the beast of Caleb Hicks. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh it could be. I mean, I, it could just be that he's biting. It could be not biting my time. There's so many things I can mean. It's such a. I hate to say that, but it's like it's just the thing. That's like the social media thing now. That's just farming engagement because people are gonna be like, "What does that mean? What are you talking about? Is are you leaving? Are you staying? Does that mean you're like right. you know what I mean? Like, it just farms engagement. But yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I don't. It'd be hard for me to say because we've heard nothing but good. I feel about him, but yeah, he hasn't got any run yet. Like we talked about. You know, um, you know, why hasn't he played yet, really? So I, I would love to see him get some uh, get some run, but I don't, you know, I, I don't know if they're I don't I don't know. It feel, he feels like a guy that if he gets his shot and is gonna be what they think he could be, it's like there's no reason to give him a red shirt because he's not gonna be here no. that long. You know, nah. so I yeah. don't know. It's a weird situation. So we'll see. I mean, I would love to see him some play, but I mean, like you said too, it's like we have to we have to figure out um, how to get the running game going more more consistently. So I would love to see yes. us run the ball yeah. just down somebody's throat. Yeah. And and again, I think I I don't understand why you don't start Towie Walker at this point. The guys earn that right. Now well, okay, no, stop, stop, stop. I'm gonna stop you right there because I've been saying that and you're like, well, you know, it's because of this and because of that. And you like no, trying no, no, to no, run no, no, no. it. No, I have not said what I have said is that y'all's 
overwhelming hate of Marcus Major is ridiculous. That's all I've said. Uh, no, what I said, I don't have any overwhelming hate for Marcus Major. As a matter of fact, before in the preseason, uh, you pod, were tweeting Marcus Major should never touch the ball again in a game. I tweeted that. Yeah, you texted that. Sorry, that okay. was your text. He okay. should never touch the ball. I'm done with Marcus Major. That was you two weeks ago. No, definitely was not me. Definitely was not me. Okay, while well, he's looking, um, because in the preseason pod, I said I'm actually rooting for Marcus Major, but yeah, I also said it's very been very apparent to me that overall between him and Towie, Towie is the better option. That's that's like I I don't know that that I don't think that's controversial to say. Towie has played better than Marcus Major has. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think everybody agrees with that. I mean, here's here's the stat. I'll read you the stats. Towie, 53 carries, 239 yards. Marcus, 60 carries for 226. So Towie's at four and a half yards a carry, and Marcus is at 3.8 yards per carry. And I would say Towie has actually been better in the uh, pass blocking realm, too. Uh, he, there's no question. I would agree. I agree so, with all those so, things. So that's my point is, is it's, it's, I'm, I'm fine with him getting snaps, but he shouldn't be start. I don't understand the starting. I don't understand why it feels like he's getting a majority of, I shouldn't say majority. I guess they're pretty close to the amount of carries, but it's like, it feels like he's on the field a lot more. So, um, yes. anyway, you know, really funny note. I just want to give you like a little side note. Cause I'd noticed this earlier. So I've been playing the, uh, Somebody basically took uh, the college football games, the NCAA 14 games, and they made it it's called college football re- revamped. And they basically like load like rosters from like the teams and like every team in NCAA and like it's currently there, like with real <laughs> things and all that. And Javante, my first season in my dynasty, which I'm playing is like New Mexico because I want to take a terrible team and try to rebuild them. Javante Barnes finished second in the Heisman running, which was I thought was hilarious. <laughs> he had like he had like had like 1900 yards rushing or something crazy too and still finished second. So anyways. Yeah. I mean, but we all agree that the running like here's the thing with Towie, he's earned the start because he runs really hard. He has great balance, low center of gravity. He he pass blocks well. But what we also know is if that there's a huge gaping hole, it's going to go for 15 to 20 yards instead of 30 to 50 yards, right? Like that's okay, what we so know. You, so what's what's Marcus Major's longest run? I know Marcus Major's got a shorter long run. We we all understand this and know this. I just think it's uh, ironic because his longest run for Towie is 30 yards. Right. And it's a play that if you go back and look at, again, from a coaching perspective, if that's Marcus Major on that carry... That ball's going for 50 yards. And if it's Javante Barnes, it's probably going to the house. If it's Sawchuck, it's going to the house. And that's part of their issue, right? Is I think the reason that they don't lean on Towie more is for that very reason. They know that when they do get these opportunities, the guy that can take it to the house is not Towie, right? And that's no slight against him. He's a stinking really good football player. But I think they also know, and this has been our thing, I'm not going to hate on Marcus Major as a player when the offensive line has been as bad as it has been in run blocking. And that's why Towie plays 
when he does because they know he's going to get two to three yards. But this is a week with the way their linebackers don't fit the run well, you need to establish somebody in that backfield. So that's that. The, the, the Let's finish out with this on the Sooners. I think that we would both agree with this, right? The test this week is the mentality of this team. Do they come out with the same attention to detail? Do they come out with the same fire, the same passion, the same physicality that they've played all season long? And BV kept harping on this Monday night. What got you to 6-0 is what has to get you to 12-0. and Like, you have to keep doing the things that you have been doing. And I love what BV said the other day. We have not played our best football by a long way. And it is up to these guys to decide how good they want to be. That, we will see how good this team wants to be this week, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. I mean, there's going to be a lot of questions, um... I think that's the biggest question. It's like, you know, everybody's talking about, like, how are you going to, even though you've had a bye week, how are you going to rebound and play your first game after the Texas game, right? Um, You know, so, I mean, I do want to see them be physical. I want to see them be dominant. And, you know, I... I honestly hope that they find a way to, to, you know... I, I mean, again, I think the defense, if you're playing a top five defense in production... Mm-hmm. Like if they can just go like, you don't think Brent's not put those stats up, you know, and said, look, like this is a good defense or the good offense and they're going to try to run all over you and just, you know, they're going to try to just absolutely run the ball down the field or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that's the challenge I want to see if he's really got the defense where they're going to be fired up and want to yeah. shut this offense down. So that's something I'll be right. Learning. Well, and that's this the thing, right? Again, like he said, this, this, this offense is designed that if you're not prepared, it will make you look stupid. You can't out-athlete it. Because like we said, there is so much happening on every play. There is going to be a receiver that motions one way and then does the loop around. and come. They're going to pump fake it to that guy, play action to this guy, run the quarterback. I mean, there are going to be 20 things trying to gain your attention, and it is all about your film study and knowing what they're doing and and reading the keys that your coach has given you to read that's going to change everything. And so that... That will be evident very early on. So that's the deal. We'll see what happens with the Sooners. Now, moving to general college football over the weekend. Let's start here. The Big 12 I is has the Big 12, like, I don't know what the right word, mixed itself up as far as a hierarchy more than any conference so far this year. I mean, I think OU and Texas have established themselves as the top two. But... I think going after that, we thought, oh, surely KSU is the next best team. Now we're not sure, right? Then it was, well, Iowa State's going to be terrible because they lost half their team to a gambling scam. Now they're, we saw OSU lose to South Alabama and thought, this is the end of Mike Gundy. He's going to be fired halfway through the season. Now they're, I mean, like, who is the next team? Like, who are the next two teams in this conference legitimately after OU and Texas? I mean, you know, it, it is, it's really weird because like, obviously OU and Texas have, like you said, that's right now runaway favorites. They're the two carrying the big 12. Right. Um, After that, like you said, it's really weird. Like when you look at it, it's like, okay, so let me like go through it. You have Oklahoma is the only undefeated team in conference. Right. Then you have Iowa state, Oklahoma state, Texas, Kansas state and West Virginia, all with one loss in conference play. 
And West so, Virginia really shouldn't have a loss, but it's there. I mean, they they yeah. earned it. Yeah. Um. So again, but it's like if you had told me like Kansas State, I probably would have said Kansas State's always a weird team to me. Like they always have those weird. Um, they always have like a weird where they drop a weird game, right, or whatever. So like I that doesn't necessarily shock me. But like you said, Iowa State, I wouldn't have thought. But it's like I really feel like when I like when we played Iowa State, I was like feel like that was Iowa State figuring out. Uh, how to how to run their offense a little differently, or they made some they were adjusting to what they needed to adjust to. So they've kind of turned it on. But right now, if I'm still if I'm circling a team on there that I think is a potential matchup for you know OU or Texas in the conference championship game, like if some one of them is going to be replace one of them, I still think I'm going Kansas State. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's just about their health. Right, their O line has been banged up really bad. If they can get healthy, I still think that they're a team that's that could be trouble. Um, the other team, though, like that has been just shocking because I don't understand. I don't understand how you have a offensive head coach, and yet since that offensive head coach has been there, the thing that has been your best feature has been defense, and that's West Virginia. West Virginia is playing good defense. Their yeah. offense hangs them out to dry. But yeah. their defense holds them in every game. Now, I understand I'm saying that about a team that just gave up a stinking Hail Mary throw for for a loss. But the whole reason they're in that game is because of their defense. That's the only reason they're in that game. And they, they have been all year. So they're another one that's weird. And then look, if Mike Gundy would just settle on a quarterback, which he's done, which he didn't do against South Alabama, and now all of a sudden they've decided that Gordon is a running back they should get the ball to, the guy only went for nearly 300 total yards last week. Had over 100 yards receiving and 100 yards rushing. You keep doing those kinds of things. I think all three of those teams are right there in that mix and the weeks to come will really. I, but man, if you'd have told me before the season it was going to be Iowa State and West Virginia and Oklahoma State, I'd have told you you're crazy. I'd have told well, you like, you're crazy. Like, well, and here's the other thing is like, I, the reason I still say Kansas State Um. Will Howard had to have literally like the worst, probably the worst game of his career. Um, and that was in the lost Oklahoma state. So I, I think Oklahoma state looks a lot better than they did. Like I said, like we talked about, like, yeah, when they were playing South Alabama and oh. you, it was like, bro, like, what is this? You know, you got, not only did you get beat by South Alabama, you got you run got out of owned. your own stadium. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know. It, they're a weird team. Like, I don't know what to think of Oklahoma state. So there's a lot of teams. Like it really, when you look, think about all those teams, like I said, all the ones I just listed the whole top of the big 12, it's like, I don't look at anybody up there and go like, Oh my God, they're just so like, they're just, they're, they're good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they're all like, it's like, they all have a lot of potential and they've shown it. And then they've also showed <laughs> that they can, they don't have it figured out. So I don't know. It's yeah. going to be weird. The big 12 is going to be wild this year. Um, but you know what's funny though is like when you really look at it. Let me let me ask this. I know we're, we're gonna we didn't talk about this when we get to like the end of the season. Right now, out of at next year, with all the new members coming in, OU and Texas leaving, right? Who do you think outside of Utah? Who do you think has a chance to run the conference? I mean, from a culture standpoint, I think it's Utah and Kansas State. Yeah. 
You know, I think those two programs have an identity. I think they know who they want to be. I think they're on the verge. And again, I think Kansas State would be a much better team right now if they hadn't lost like half their offensive line to injuries. Like they're playing second and third tier guys just trying to patchwork it together. And they're still in every game. Um, I think those two teams are are really there. Now, the other like outlier to that would be Texas Tech. Because I do think Montgomery's a good coach. Um and I do think he's going to get there. I mean, he's got a five-star committed there, for crying out loud. The guy's going to recruit. He is a motivator. I think they're just in their transition right now, right? All those fourth- and fifth-year seniors they had last year have left, some of them going to the league, and now he's having to rebuild that thing. But those are kind of the three for me. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just funny to me because it's like I feel like obviously time will tell, but it's like, I, you know, it's just funny when you look at it now, it's like, man, I don't know, like you, it's going to be the same. I feel like it's going to be the same thing next year where you're going to have like two teams carrying the rest of the conference. Like it's oh, been yeah. for, like it's been for 15 years, a hundred years. Yeah, yeah, probably so. The other general college football note that we're just going to gloat on because are we petty? Yes, we are. Uh, A&M lost another game and is trying to figure out how to buy out Jimbo Fisher, which is just amazing. And uh, USC doesn't just get beat. They get dominated. I mean, dominated in that game. And it was oh so beautiful. So, Jared, just any any thoughts you have besides that? Like that it was just a beautiful thing to, to watch? Yeah, I guess there's going to be a whole lot of liquidation of assets in Southern, Southern Texas uh, over the next few months <laughs> trying to get rid of Jimbo. I mean, that buyout is freaking ridiculous, dude. Was it? He's like, like seventy-five like right million dollars or something. Yeah, it's like, yeah, like that. It's like, yeah, it's astronomical, bro. Like, and I remember when they got Jimbo, they're like, "Oh, we're gonna like we're gonna win Natties every." I was like, "Bro, I don't." Okay. Um, and here's what's fun. Like, can we just say like? Here's the similarity between these two schools, A&M and USC, right? A&M hires Jimbo after, yes, he had won a national title, but then the next year, they looked like trash the next year. Yeah. Like, you could already see the wheels coming off of the Florida State shine after Jameis Winston left and that whole crew of players left, right? And then they hire him to this outrageous guaranteed contract, and you're like, why? Like, he was getting worse, and you signed him to this. And now USC did the same thing. Riley's getting worse, and they signed him to an astronomical contract. There, There's probably lots of guarantees in his deal as well, right? And both of them in year one, the programs looked better, right? They seemed like they were on the up and up and the recruiting and all the things. And now year two, USC, here we go. Like, they've been winning, but it doesn't look good. There's some th- certain things you can watch in that in that team that you go, there's some real flaws and some real issues here. And now you're already hearing literally the exact same press conferences that he gave in Oklahoma. And, you know, to you guys, the untrained eye, we're really far off. But it it doesn't look that bad. We're, we're two plays away from just turning this whole thing around, you know. We're this close. Two plays and this whole game looks different. Instead of 48-20 to 20 and two plays, it would have been 48-20 us. Dude, and, like, and you know, it's and then like he was like, in all my coaching, you know, it's you know, there's not been a time that we didn't lose a game or two games and still end up in the conference championship game. And I'm like, bro, you need to you need to keep stop spouting your Oklahoma resume as much as you try to trash on Oklahoma and then you still try to use them when it benefits you. Get out of here. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I mean, 
Look, what's funny about it is it's like the amount of receipts that came out. Like, and then Matt Liner, did you see the whole Matt Liner meltdown? Oh, yeah. Matt was Matt was hot. Matt was hot. And I was like, bro, you were the same guy that was just absolutely clowning on OU last season. And yep. and now now the, the, the bills come due and you don't know how to handle it. Like now look, I but like I will defend Matt Leinard in this sense. Okay. And this is the thing that we just don't do well. Look, if we were the ones, like, let's just say that Lincoln Riley had done all the things that he did at OU at USC, okay, and we stole him in the middle of the night, we would be patting ourselves on the back going, that's who we are. We're blue blood Oklahoma, and we just took your your high-flying young coach, right, and we've got our own Heisman Park about to be built here in Norman, right? Like, that, that's where we would be because we also have to understand Matt Liner didn't track the intricacies of Lincoln's career. You just you just don't, right? You we are all myopic to our own team that we follow, right? Matt Leinert's not when when they announce that they're hiring Lincoln Riley, Matt Liner doesn't think in his mind, oh dang. Like Lincoln Riley left at midnight the day after a game and is leaving a program that Bob Stoops handed to him. His mind's not going there because his mind is myopic to we got yeah, Lincoln but, Riley, on, but and there's we a stole difference. Him. Hang on, but there's a difference when you're literally a national pundit at this point. You're doing big noon kickoff. You're sure. working for Fox. You're a sports writer and all those sorts of things. I get it, dude. Like I get that. But at the same time, if you're gonna be at that level, like you, you have you can't be myopic. You can't be. Well, I'm a like you know what I mean. Like it's fine to still say I'm a USC guy and I was a Heisman quarterback there and all this other crap. That's fine. I'm fine with that. But like you have to remove yourself from all those feelings when it comes to that stuff because you have to know. Like I said, everybody trying to say like that's what annoyed. That's why OU fans were so mad. Is one I don't know of a time, and maybe somebody maybe can correct me on this. When was the last time OU went and did that to somebody? When they didn't go steal Brent Venables in the middle of the night, right? Like they made it very clear that all right. that happened, and nobody at Clemson sitting there going like, "Well, screw Brent Venables," right? And nobody's like, "Oh, Clemson people aren't saying." Well, we hate OU. You know, Dabo's still showing support to Brent and all those sorts of things. It's it's like they've shown how to do it. USC did what USC's done, and I think the to put but it in the see, vacuum. Again, there, but like, let, hold on, Doc, like timeout. Like, we also weren't in a coaching search in midseason, right? Like, so I want to be clear. I don't feel like USC showed up at his door at midnight and convinced him to leave because we all know that that's bullcrap. They fired a coach in season and they were talking to his agent throughout the season trying to get him to come there like that's you're allowed to do that like but hang on so, but hang on but let uh, oh we're gonna get on a whole tangent about this my my problem with it is, is it's the whole usc let, let's break it down for one usc instead of firing what was their their last coach's name i don't remember his name helton helton, helton. Everybody had been asking to fire Helton basically since uh, Darnold left. Like after, post after that season, everybody had won him gone for two or three seasons, or however long it's been, right? And they didn't fire him, and they didn't fire him. And it got to the postseason, everybody thought, okay, we're going to fire him, right? Because like we kind of had a crappy season, and then they didn't. So like it's like, okay, well, that's just you painting yourself in a corner. Like you had to fire him because things were getting so bad. 
Okay. Right. So okay. then, then, then you, then you go on this coaching search and you do all these things. And it's like, in a way, I don't necessarily put it on them. It's a lot of Lincoln Riley, but like I said, that's what again, I'm saying. It's on Lincoln. On. It's not on USC, but hang on. But Matt has to realize that he left Lincoln left. He can't say, well, I only have USC guy. And I only came with you. If it was a USC fan off the street. Okay, fine. Whatever. You're Matt Leinart. You work for Fox. Your entire job is to keep up with college football and not only the storylines of USC, but the storylines of every college program in the nation. So to tell me, well, he didn't know or he wasn't really thinking about how Lincoln robbed the cupboard and burnt, tried to burn the thing to the ground as he left is bullcrap. I'm sorry. That's a terrible excuse. Matt Leinart needs to own it. Matt Liner, I understand the pain and I understand where you're coming from, but at the same time, it's like, I'm just so sick and tired of people trying to like, like everybody outside is trying to like paint this picture of like, well, it's like, no, it's not like what happened happened. I understand that they may not know the full story and that's fine, but like to try to paint it, like when you talk nothing but trash, oh, y'all are going to be crap. Y'all are going to suck. Y'all are going to go in the dumpster. Like that's all we heard. But okay, but that's left, what I'm getting at. Ever... Matt Liner didn't say any of those things. Matt Liner did. didn't say any of no, 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 no. Matt Liner, when OU Twitter went nuts for six months, and again, I understand what you're saying, but let's be honest. Matt Liner isn't watching football games across the board, and Matt Liner isn't doing research across the board. They've got some poor kid out of college that's handing him a sheet, giving him stats and giving him the reality. He is a USC alum. And look, he's not looking at it as burning it down. He's looking at it from the USC perspective like we would. If Lincoln was coming here, we would go, do you think Caleb comes with him? And we wouldn't be pissed about that. We wouldn't look at that as being a thief. We would say there's a transfer portal for a reason. Caleb committed to Lincoln and Lincoln brought him with him. So he doesn't have those emotional ties. Lincoln, Matt Leinert never said, OU's going to burn to the ground. What Matt Leiner did that got everybody pissed was when everything did start burning down at Oklahoma, he said karma because the OU fan base went after Lincoln so hard. And for him to not have the emotional attachment to the Sooners, he didn't understand why it went down that way. And you can say that he doesn't get that. But again, if Lincoln does all those things to us, we're praising Lincoln Riley for bringing all the stuff to us. That's all I'm saying. Now, the fans that said Lincoln Riley built Oklahoma, which Matt Leinart did not, that's ignorant. That is stupid. And Matt Leinart also publicly said, I'm not totally against the reality that Lincoln could have handled the leaving better. He has said that publicly. He doesn't understand the backlash. We do because we're invested in the program. That's all I'm saying. Okay, and that's fine, on Lincoln. Whatever. That's not on USC. That's on Lincoln, so, not USC. But here's uh, either way. My my whole point to be to this is the right now. Like, there's two trajectories, right? Like, because we saw we saw a game where one Caleb Williams looked human, which is something you don't say very often about him, right? Um, and you know, and the and like we talked about it. It's like this has painted the picture of. Caleb, for one, you know, you had the law or you had the close game against Arizona, right? 
and his body language is a little off and you're like, okay, well, it was a long game. It was an overtime game. Maybe he's just, he's just tired and exhausted, but it's like, then you had the Notre Dame game, which by the way, their whole setup for the post game thing was like so terrible. They, they, like they spent like 25 bucks on that. Um, but you know, it's like his body, like I was like, I don't see how Caleb stays. I don't see how he stays. Um, at, at USC. Uh, I, I think he's going to, I think he's going to go to the pros or whatever. And when he does, I, I just don't see how they're going to get somebody that's so good that they're going to be able to carry USC to wins like he's done for them this season. That I totally agree with. Like, that I, I totally I, agree with. And, and honestly, looking at the Rangers schedule, I told you, I was like, I honestly could see them being eight and four, seven and five at the end of the season. Like, I think those are possibilities. It, 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 yeah, very possible. Very possible. Now, here's my thing. See, again, I, I don't like Caleb's body language at all. I don't like it at all. But when I remove myself from the OU side, the Notre Dame one especially, he's not unaware that he gave up 21 points by throwing three picks in the first half. He's not unaware that he played like absolute trash in that game. Who wants to stand there and listen to that crap for 15 minutes? Like, I like the whole, like, he's tired of listening to Lincoln. No. When you throw three picks and you just looked like junk, in the biggest game of the year, and you got to stand before reporters and hear them asking all the questions of, well, man, why was Caleb so off tonight? Why was the offense so off tonight? And you know it's on you. You want the reporters to shut up and go to the locker room, take your shower, and leave, right? Like, Yeah, I get I, it. I think, I think we read way too much into that. Now, at the same time, when you are saying things publicly like, I'm not going to play for the Cardinals, right, and I will only play for these teams – and now this week you say things like, I want part ownership. That's what I want if I get drafted first overall. Like, okay, now you're painting yourself like an a-hole that if y'all lose another game, you're going to quit on your team and just get prepared for the NFL draft, right? Like, you're painting yourself into that corner with all those other things. But I agree with you. Now, I will say this. Here's my big predictor. I think the back injury junk going on, with Jalen Daniels is a lie. And I think Lincoln Riley has already bagged Jalen Daniels to USC. I think he is going to leave Kansas and go to USC and be that guy for them. That's, that's what Lincoln's bet is, even though he's got Malachi Nelson there, but he ain't going to trust him because that's what he does. I mean, and, that, and, does... We, and we, by the way, we defended that at OU. We defended that he brought guys in and made them better. He brought Kyler in and made him better. He brought Baker. Well, he didn't bring Baker in, but he made Baker better. He made Jalen Hurts better. We, we'd said all that. Caleb's the only high school recruit that has come in and excelled under Lincoln Riley as a head coach. And I think there's a lot of smoke right now that Jalen Daniels is complaining about back spasms because he's got an NIL deal waiting on him, and he just has to wait for the portal to open. And when the portal opens, he's gone. Yeah, I mean the the whole Jalen Daniels that we could have a whole pod about the Jalen Daniels because that does feel weird. Um, yeah, you know, I I don't know. I mean, unless you're, ha I, yeah, I don't know. Let's not get in, go down that road. But so yeah, all I mean, that to say, me and you, look, I am all for being petty and hateful towards Lincoln Riley. I do feel like the hate towards Matt Leinart. I if I was Matt Leinart, okay, with no emotional attachment to Bob Stoops. And by the way, a guy that's hung out with Bob Stoops and Bob looked at him and said, I love Lincoln Riley. We're still like, 
he's not acting hurt by what Lincoln Riley did with Matt Leinart, right? Then I I wouldn't understand as a USC guy and a guy, and I know I'm a national pundit, but a guy who gets handed papers of here's OU stats and all the stuff, I wouldn't understand the the hatred that has well, come let from me, the OU fan base. Let me let me put it this way. I, I you know, um, oh, what is his name? Pollock. What's his first name? David Pollock. David Pollock. David Pollock is like, you know, a lot of people hated David Pollock. And I was like, that's a dude that I felt like. I always thought he was really good. I'm with you. I like David Pollock. I liked liked him. And it's like, I actually felt like he was a guy that watched football. Like he liked football. Like really the ESPN, you know what? I'll give ESPN. Most of their crew, like Herb Street, Herb Street seems very knowledgeable. He's had a few times where I'm like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. You know, well, like he's they, spread they, so thin between NFL and college right now. It's the same thing. Like that's your job, but you can't watch every NFL team and call NFL games on Thursday night and watch all of college football well, and no, really no. be connected. I know, but what I'm saying is like throughout his career, Herb Street's been the guy that like knows like knows teams and knows 100%. storylines top to bottom, right? Like you don't put him in a Kansas versus Oklahoma game. He's like, I don't know anything about Kansas. Like here's a stat. You know what I mean? Like he knows the storylines of those programs. Um, so you know, but that's what I'm saying. Anyway, I I just don't think Liner just doesn't strike me as a dude that's really like. I think he likes football. I don't think he's a guy that's in love with football. In the same way that you would see other guys like maybe Pollock or Herb Street, where it's like you can tell that they just absolutely love the game and that they watch the game and all that. Anyway, to get off that whole subject. My whole point being, I agree with you. I, I, I'm cheering. I'm honestly cheering against USC every single game. I am. I yes. like. I am. Um, it's well, like somehow- you said. We both want Caleb to do. I'm not mad at Caleb for making the decision he made. No, he can throw for 400 yards as long as they lose. That's all I need. Well, and, and the thing is, is like Caleb is never like people have tried to spin things, but like Caleb's never gone and said anything about Oklahoma. Like besides being supportive, he even was supportive during the Texas week. You know, yeah. he's like, I hope my boys. The only thing he said Texas. is there's no shopping in Oklahoma. That's been the one negative that that people got all kinds of up in arms Which, and mad about. Yeah, he ain't wrong. But you know, like <laughs> it's it's but you know what I'm saying? Like it's the hey, thing I is, just want all of you guys out there. That was Jared. That was not Daryl that just said he ain't wrong. So we're no, just I'm just saying, little, okay, no, what I'm saying no is I'm just saying he's never he's mouth. never come out and said, like, OU's not a good program or like the people at OU are so hateful and mean. And like he didn't he hasn't done the Lincoln Riley. They right? were trying to break into my house multiple times. Dude, I still like, OK, if you're a USC fan and you're somehow listening to this, go watch the interview and tell me how naturally that question comes out. Like if he said, <laughs> was there anything about. Was there anything about your departure from Oklahoma that bothered you? And then he was like, well, you know, actually, somebody broke into my house. Instead, it was, well, I hear that somebody broke into your house. It's like, it was a leading question because Lincoln had fed him that information. Yep. Correct. Like, like Correct. you don't just ask. Like, if I came up to you, Daryl, and I was like, hey, man, I heard that aliens landed in your yard last night. You'd be like, what? <laughs> huh? You know what I mean? Like, nobody's going to think that that's normal conversation. If I just walk up to a random person and I'm like, hey, you know, I heard this happen. They'd be like, what do you want? Shut up. You're stupid. Right. But anyways, well, and that again, whole thing it's, is- it's, it's like we've said, the thing that really gets the true OU fan mad 
is the things like, well, man, Lincoln's defense is struggling. Yeah, no crap, Sherlock. It did the whole time he was at Oklahoma. With two different coaches, it struggled, right? Yep. Oh, man, the offense sometimes doesn't seem like it's really clicking and that the quarterback just kind of runs around and makes something happen. No crap, Sherlock. That was some of the problems we saw at Oklahoma. Oh, man, USC really doesn't stay committed to the run game. No crap, Sherlock. These are the things that we said at Oklahoma. Like, that's the thing that gets everybody so mad is all the things we said when he left. The program got worse every year. He's not a guy that coaches physical football. And we were told we were being mad little spoiled children. And now it's all coming up again as it, as though it's a new thing. That's what really gets the OU fan mad and why we don't mind uh, them losing these games, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, like, those are the things. And again, all the, the anger... USC went and did what they wanted to do. They hired a good coach, but the 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 warts of that coach are now being seen. And even the press conferences, man, you guys think that we're way far off. No, we're not. Like, stop with that junk. That's the same stuff you said for two straight seasons at OU. You got to stop it. Which, by the way, if you haven't seen the Tattoo Baker, Mickey Mouse voice, uh, Lincoln Riley video, you should totally go watch it. It's worth It's worth your time. Now, we got to wrap this thing up. Our lunch breaks are ending. We're all going to get fired if we don't get done. So let's get to our pickums in college football for this week. Lots of good games this week. We are going to start with a patriotic pick for the week. We're adding a pick in the week for patriotism because it is Air Force at Navy. Air Force is ranked number 22 in the country, by the way, top 25 team. Going to Navy and favored by 10. Jared, what are you picking? Give me Air Force. Give me the F-22s, baby. The F-22s. <laughs> He's taking Air Force. I am going to take Navy. I just don't think triple option teams are ever going to win by more than 10. Like, I just don't think that two teams that do that are, are going to do that. So I'm, I'm going to take the Navy in that game. So the next game on the slate this week is a Big Ten matchup. Penn State ranked seventh in the country against Ohio State. Almost said Oklahoma State. Ohio State, who is ranked third in the country, and Ohio State is favored by four and a half. Jared, what are you taking? Give me Penn State. I think their defense is really, really good, and I just don't buy the Ohio State hype. I think they. I do think oh. they have uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. is he's legit. The the dude. Uh, He's probably the best receiver in the country, but yeah, I just don't buy overall. I don't buy that team hype. And also Ryan Day, Ryan Day, I think is just going to run out of caffeine this week. So (laughs) I'm actually with you. I mean, looking at some of Penn state stats, I know they haven't played a very good offense yet, but dude, their past defense is money. And I don't feel like Ohio state has the capability to really lean on the run game. I'm going to pick them to cover. I think OSU might win that game. Um, but I think that's going to be a very, very, very tight game. So another great game in the SEC, Tennessee at number 17, going to Tuscaloosa to play Alabama, who is ranked 11th. And Bama is favored by nine and a half points. What are you going with here, Jared? Oh, I know this one's tricky. <laughs> Man, uh, you know what? Give me Bama. I, I take give me Bama. I think Bama's even going to cover. Wow. Okay. Bama to cover. Man. Um I think their I think their offense has slowly, steadily gotten a little bit better. 
Yes, uh, they found and, a little identity and, there. And I feel like Saban, like this is one of those games where Saban circles on his calendar because they, you know, the there was last year for them and all that sort of stuff. And I feel like this is that game where Saban's really going to want to just like have them revved up to to go smash them. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with you on that one. I'm going to I'm going to follow your lead there. So. Uh, another good game is in the S or sorry, ACC, not SEC, ACC Duke number 16 at Florida State number four and Florida State is favored by 13 and a half at Florida State favored by 13 and a half. I will go first this time so you can piggyback off me if you choose to. I am going to go with Florida State. I think this is a really, really good football team. I think Duke is physical, and I think that they are very good. I just don't think that they're going to keep up, and I think the home crowd gives you a good six or seven points there as well. So I'm going to go with FSU. I, I yeah, I'm, I don't need to piggyback. It's going to be FSU. Uh, did, <laughs> isn't isn't Duke's quarterback still out? The I forget. The oh, that's name. a good question. I'd forgotten about that. I am not sure, but if so, yeah, then it's definitely either, FSU. Either either way, I just think. Florida State's actually, I know that they've had like a couple of games where it's they've not quite looked as dominant as they should, but at the same time, it's like I think talent-wise, they're still one of the best teams in the country. Okay. All right. The fun one, I think I know what he's going to take here. I'm pretty certain. But we got Utah ranked 14th in the country at USC ranked 16th in the country now. USC, though, favored by six and a half points. I don't need to give any explanation, Utah. Even without their quarterback? Yes. Quarterback by committee, Man. I don't care. Ugh. Physical? Man, this... Physi- hang on, what, is, what has been Lincoln Riley's crimp tonight? Yeah, yes, yes, I know, I know, I know. I just, ugh. If they still had Dalton Kincaid, this is an easy pick for me because if you've got an athletic tight end, you will beat USC all day long. I just, I don't know if their offense has enough. And while the physicality will slow USC down, I feel like Caleb's going to come out on fire because he's just played like crap and he's got to redeem himself. And I think that dude is truly Superman. I really, really do. And he gets to play, you know, at a very unhostile environment with 20,000 people in the stands and not rabid fans. Ugh. Go ahead and do it. No, I'm going Utah. I'm going Utah. And let everybody know you're going to pick USC. It's fine. We know you're a USC no. fan, closet USC fan. No, I'm, I am not. I'm a Caleb fan. I'm not a USC fan. And then last but not least, Central Florida at Oklahoma. Oklahoma favored by 19. I will go first. OU is going to cover, as they have all year long. We also have to give our predictions, but you know I'm going to pick OU. <laughs> I'll give you. Sure I'll give you my has. score prediction. I'm gonna give you my score score prediction. I'm gonna go fifty two. Wow. Fifty two to twenty four. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna go just a little bit lower than you. I'm going uh, forty nine. I'm gonna go forty nine. I'm gonna go. 49-27. 49-27. That's where I'm going in the game. So still covering. Live to give up a little bit more there, but that's that. So um, that's where we are. And then, by the way, another quick note for Oklahoma fans. A uh, big announcement tomorrow with Michael Boganowski. 
announcing his commitment, by the way, on the recruiting front. I forgot to put that in our notes and just remembered it. Um, that should be a big one. We were going to talk Thunder, but we have gone so long, we cannot add that in. I will try to do a separate I, pod I, I, for I that. Blame, I blame you and your... Uh... Your defense, my Matt Liner defense. Yeah, yes, I, I'm sorry. I, I cannot. I get why Matt Liner feels the way he does. I'm not saying he's right. I'm just saying I understand from and his then we go, perspective. He goes right he back into defending the guy. But anyways, I just want I, everybody. I'm, I'd like it stated for the record, oh but he's God. still defending Matt Liner. Hey, I still went after him on Twitter. Don't get me wrong. I just understand where he's coming from. I get it. It's just like Texas fans that want to constantly no, cool. clamor. We, we know you like you like USC. It's oh fine. my gosh! It's like a Texas fan that says we still own the overall record. Okay, great. Throw the first twenty years of this this rivalry that's a hundred and twenty years old out, and you don't have the lead anymore. Like, dude, stop by the it way, with that. Hang on. By the way, I'm catching up. I before we wrap things up, have you caught up on <laughs> Welcome to Wrexham? No, I think um I'm one or two episodes behind. Yeah, I don't know how many I am behind, but it was I was cracking up. It's an older episode now because I've I've missed like four or five of them. But it's the one where uh, they're having to tell Rob what the two fingers upwards gesture means in the UK. And he's yeah. like, Why does it mean that? And they, they're like trying to explain it to him. Uh, and I just I was like sitting there thinking I was like, oh, there's a little <laughs> USC fight on thing. But um, yes. And then I had to remember that I can't like I, I have to like not like Will Ferrell sometimes because he's a big USC fan. But, you know, yes. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. He's all in on the Wrexham, though. He's he's for it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Rugged Wrexham really has cool. been really, really good. I actually need to look up. I haven't really paid much as much attention this year. They were they were middle of their table the last time I looked. I want to say like sixth, maybe seventh. Um, yeah, which I mean, for their first year playing up, I think is a they're huge. Fifth. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. So they're and they're not. Wow. So they're only a game behind first. They have twenty three points in first place. That's twenty six. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, they're right there. And so again, your first year playing up, that's huge. Yeah, which, I mean, did you I would have the expected episode? them to be more in the eight to ten range of the table. Well, there was the there was the deal where they're talking about. They had an episode on Welcome to Wrexham where they were talking about this club that's like they started as like literally like a bunch of people just got together and formed a club at the lowest level, and now they're playing. I think in the league below Wrexham right now. They're not, or maybe they're the league below the National League or something. I don't know, um, but they've like progressed. Like it's like on average every two years they prom- get wow. promoted. Which is like a record in uh, English football or something. Um, so pretty, pretty wild. It's like it'd be cool to see Wrexham like replicate that all the way up to the Premier League. I know oh, it's not going to happen, but yeah. Well, and I mean, I, again, I just, remember they had to start the season without Mullen. If they have Mullen to start the season, they might be sitting in the three or or you know two or three spot <laughs> with him playing the first couple games. Yeah, which by the way, this season of Wrexham has been phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Oh. It's actually like I feel like it's way more of like an emotional season of it, by the way. Yeah. Like just it's really good. Like there was the episode where the guy's wife found out she had like I guess spoiler alert. Um, but she found out she had brain cancer and like so he had to step yeah. away and they were very compassionate about that. Then there was like one of the players, her dad died, and like there like there's a whole like there's a whole like it's like every episode has had some weird emotional tie-in. Uh that's been pretty interesting to see and like how 
compassionate that whole like community is even like the whole like literally not just the team and like ryan and rob but like the whole town is like talked about what well, we heard about this and so like we went and brought them like there was one where i can't remember what which what which incident it was but like literally the town like came and brought them like baskets and food it's like the town came to the players that player's house and brought them gifts and stuff to try yeah. to make them feel better so anyways really really good series yeah it's well and it's just been fun because I mean, obviously, if you watch season one, you followed the season, you know, they get promoted. And so it's been cool that they've just continued to, like, tell their actual life story in the midst of that, you know. And I've even enjoyed just the pressure that Rob and and um, Ryan feel, you know. And that's one of those things that we kind of take for granted, I think, as fans is that we just go, oh, well, these owners are millionaires and billionaires and it doesn't matter. And it's like, no, it does matter. Like if things go really badly, it doesn't matter how much money they have. They lose money. Like it's a major catastrophe and it does. They, they understand that it impacts the cities that they're in and the places well, and that they're in. And I feel like season two has been like way, like I feel like Rob and, and uh, Ryan are like way less in it. Like, I feel like they're very much more like they'll pop in and say something. And like, it's so much more about the team and like the, the personalities within the team and not just the ownership. Yeah. I, yeah, I think they've done a good job in both seasons of that. Um, yeah, it's been fun. I mean, the one, the one episode they focused on them a lot, just getting ready for the King and queen coming, right? Like in all their stuff that they did for that. But yeah, I feel like they do a great job balancing it, but I mean, yeah, just even like all the stadium renovation stuff and, Oh, we're we're going to get this money, and then oh no, you're not getting this. It's like holy crap! Can you imagine? Like you've already funny, started a project, funny, you have to finish, and it's like like twenty five million dollars. It's just gone. The the my favorite one so far is the uh, the one where the guy went on vacation. I forget his name, and he's only gone. He only goes on like one vacation a year because he's always so busy with the team. He's like the director of football operations or something. Maybe I can't remember. And. uh and like that was like the week that like Mullen posted something that was like he had those like uh, the cleats that said something on him. I don't remember. And then like he was like, oh, crap, like we can't wait just to tell him to take it down. And then he went and looked and he saw that Ryan had liked it. And he's like, like, oh, my God, like, you know what I mean? And he was like, all this stuff just kept happening over and over. And so he was going to have to cancel his vacation. It was hilarious. Um, and Ryan was like, I just liked it. It was just a like, like, you know, like. <laughs> so anyway, it's been fun. Yeah. But. Oh, anyway, crazy stuff. It's it's a fun story. We'll talk We're about it. We'll in. talk about it. We'll talk about it on the after our our uh, Central Florida uh, Central Florida gets raffle stomped uh, at in Norman, Oklahoma. Yeah, hopefully so. So, well, again, we hope you've liked it. If you do, uh, please follow us on YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Pod, wherever you get your podcast, you can find us there. Uh, give us a like and a follow, and uh, we'll continue on. Uh, let's watch. Uh, let's watch our Sooners beat Central Florida this week. We're having a great time. We hope you are too. I'm Daryl. That's Jared. Talk to you guys later. Bye, Baker. Cha-ching, a Thunder Money Ball. And you can unhitch the wagon. Put the ponies in the ball.